Hi, everyone. It's Henry DeVries with Indie Books International. Welcome to this week's edition of the Marketing with a Book podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is where we help authors and speakers shine a spotlight on their work and the good work that they do. So we have a very special guest to help us today. Before we interview her, we'd like to do our author roll call. We've got many members of the Indie Books International family of authors with us. So I'd like them to introduce themselves and tell you the title of their book. Let's start with Chris and then let's go to Craig. So unmute yourself and then uh, tell us about you and your book. All right. Hello, my name is Christopher Hodges. I am the author of Your Noble Robot, Accelerating Innovation and Employee Engagement. Thanks. Uh, Craig and then uh, David. Hello, I'm Craig Lauder, and I'm the author of the highly acclaimed Smooth Selling Forever. Thanks. Um, let's go with uh, Dr. Carey and then Joe. Hi, everyone. Dr. Carey McCrudden. My forthcoming book is called Self-Help on the Go. Joe and Kim. Hello, everyone. Joe Palo here in Shoreview, Minnesota. The title of my book is How to Sell Nothing Better Than Everybody Else. Joe, we'll have that book cover for you soon to hold up. <laughs> I've got to get back to you, so it's on me, not you. Okay. Um, and uh, let's go with uh, Mark and then Mary. Thank you, Henry. And I am celebrating today the soon-to-be-released book, Rainmaker Confidential, co-authored with uh, Scott Love and um, our president, Henry DeVries. That's me. So thanks, Mark. Um, how about Mary and then Teresa? Hi, I'm Mary Schmidt. And the, uh, the title of my book is Make or Break Conversations, How Smart Financial Professionals Land and Keep Clients for Life. Thanks, Mary. Yeah. And um, let's see, I don't think we've heard from Kim or Teresa. I'll go. Uh, I'm Dr. Teresa Ashby, and my book is called Better Implementation Now. Good to see you. And uh, Kim? I'm Kim Nagel, and I'm the author of The Damn Plan, How to Find Freedom, Love, and Money in Your Business. Yeah, Kim's not working blue. Damn stands for something, D-A-M-N. Okay, thanks, everybody. Uh, with that, I'd like to turn it over to our chairman. He'll be conducting the interview today. So talking stick goes to Mark LeBlanc. All right. Thank you, Henry. And uh, today we have a very uh, special guest, uh, Leslie Everett. And she is um, not only uh, our esteemed guest for today, but a personal friend of mine, uh, we go back nearly 15 years, and so it is a great honor uh, to interview her today. I want to just uh, uh, give you a, a short introduction. I might take some liberty with it because I know her so well. Uh, but our theme for the day is the brand of you, how to differentiate yourself with impact. Leslie Everett is an internationally recognized and shall I add renowned keynote speaker, a business coach and a specialist on entrepreneurial leadership. 
She has presented her walking tall system in 28 countries across five continents to date. She is the published author of three amazing books. Her clients include many, many global organizations as well as entrepreneurial uh, companies, associations, and is making huge strides in the world of small business. She has appeared multiple times on broadcast media uh, and in over 200 articles in publications around the world. She was awarded the UK Professional Speaking Award of Excellence in 2010, the first female speaker to do so, and is a past president of the Global Speakers Federation, which um, I think is covers speakers across the galaxy. On a personal note, um, I got to know Leslie on a safari in Africa um, where she and I and uh, the famous uh, Alan Stevens also uh, from uh, England and Vernon Cresswell spent the better part of four or five days, um, gosh, at all hours of the day and night, shining elephants um, and lions and tigers and bears. And when I think about the the risk uh, that we took with too many bottles of wine. It's astounding that we are here to tell the tale. Um, and with that, uh, I wanna bring uh, Leslie to the screen. Uh, thank you, Leslie, for being with us uh, today. Um, there are some things that cannot be shared. Um, so we'll go right into, <laughs> right, right into question number one. Um, Leslie, when we think about entrepreneurial leadership or having an entrepreneurial mindset, can you can you just give us a glimpse of uh, what is that? And might there be two or three things that we should be thinking about or taking action on with respect to having an entrepreneurial mindset? Thank you, Mark. And, and, and just to bounce off the introduction, if I may, first of all, I think it was when we had several glasses of wine or maybe bottles of wine between us that the bears and the tigers appeared in the African bush. Just <laughs> Anyway, moving on from, from there. Yeah, thank you. Entrepreneurial mindset. Um, for a number of years, I've been um, working on uh, uh, personal branding and leadership branding. And what I've been asked to do so much in the last um, two years, particularly last 18 months, has been focusing on differentiation. So the, the key things about an entrepreneurial mindset, whether somebody's in corporate life or whether we work for ourselves as individuals, is that we need to think about being visionary and strategic and differentiating ourselves and, and building a profile and being visible so that people know who we are and what we're great at. Having a, a reputation that people want to talk about and being consistent with building the brand and the reputation that we want to be known for. It's as I always have said for many years, throughout building the, the walking tool methodology, your brand is really what people say about you behind your back. When you're not in the room, when people talk about you, when you've left the room, you've finished the meeting, you've finished the presentation, what people say and how you've made them feel when you've interacted with them really is your, your brand. And I think and all of these things I've just highlighted there are just a few of the things when it comes to having that entrepreneurial mindset 
that we really need to zone in on. Um, for any successful entrepreneur, they've got to be aware of those things more than ever, I think. Um, thank you, Leslie. And to head back to Africa, I just want to add an end note that what happens in Africa stays <laughs> in Africa. Uh, <laughs> um, um, I want to I want to ask you a question about this. What is said behind your back? Um, because I've heard you talk about that before um, on the main on main stages, actually in London, uh, in um, Durban. South Africa as well as Canada. And, and you talk about that. And a question that I have for you is, should we consider surveying our clients uh, and people who know us well and asking for um, their honest and unbiased feedback about what people might be saying or what they might be hearing behind our back? Um, absolutely is the short answer to that. But I think the first thing to do, and I've learned this many years ago when working with a lot of people in corporate life, where they were getting so much feedback from other people and losing themselves and their authenticity as a result, is we need to start first off by really doing some deep dive thinking into what our authentic core is, what our authentic brand is, what we're great at, what we want to be known for. Um, and that's not an easy process because I always say it's, it's not easy to see the label from inside the bottle. So we need sometimes an external lens for that. But first of all, we need to be spending that time thinking about what it is we want to be known for because that's authentic. And then get the feedback because Otherwise, if we're getting feedback from all over the place, we can we can try and change who we are. We can react to that feedback and and not really know if it's the right thing to, to, to do. And whenever I'm running training courses, I'm always so focused on let's decide what it is you, you need to be known for. First of all, then let's go ask people what they what are the things they think of when they think of us. And then we can map that feedback over the uh, the, the brand fundamentals that we've thought about and discovered for ourselves. And then we know where the gaps are. We know where the things are that we need to focus on most. We know the things that maybe don't matter so much. And it's not about ignoring bad feedback, but maybe they're not as important as other areas. And it gives us a much more structured way to look at that feedback. And one of the things I know I, I is very valuable to my coaching clients is that I always offer, they don't always do it, but most of them do, offer to speak to around six of their clients um, and I speak to them on the phone for about 15, 20 minutes, and I ask them some questions that really make them think, and they, they, they give me the answers so much better than if it was in written format, and I'm able to really get a sense of what that person's perception is, what their brand is, what people say about them when they're not there. So it's a very valuable exercise. So absolutely, Mark, we need to have that, sometimes that painful feedback, but, but doing it in a structured way is, is pretty important. You know, I've been in the field in as a uh, speaker and business coach and author now for almost 30 years. And I like to think I have a good reputation. I mean, obviously I'm doing some things right. What would you say to someone like me who is perceived as a somewhat of a veteran or seasoned, you know, entrepreneur or independent professional who might be leery or fearful of, of getting that kind of feedback. Yeah, it can be a bit 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 daunting, but I would um, I'd probably get someone else to, to do that 
for you. I think that's that's a, a, a great way to get some really candid feedback. Um, but, you know, it's really important to, to, to ask. And I think it's being in the speaker world and same in the author world, you know, asking people who know you, who think know you well and know what you do well, asking them the question of what is it that you think I do? What, how would you describe what I do for my clients? That is a, is a really good question to ask because you'll find that people often describe you in a way that is really maybe outdated and it's not how you what it's not what you're doing anymore. It's, it's very different. And or you'll come you'll end up with a complete gem that someone says you think, wow, I never knew that people thought that about me. And that's a really important piece that I need to be aware of. So we need to not be afraid of it. Um, I think uh, uh, get someone else to do it, but really do build it in. Um, I found that out uh, several years ago when I started out in my business originally when I first wrote Walking Tall, the book and developed the methodology, I was doing a lot of image work and I was known for the image work, which is where it was back then in the um, late 90s. And I found out probably 10 years later, even though I'd done a ton of work on um, authentic personal branding and image was just a part of it, that people were still describing me as an image consultant and I had no idea. And that was really not in alignment with the brand that I was now representing. So, you know, get over the, the fear of it. It's got to be done um, if you're really going to build a brand that people can talk about consistently. Would, would it make sense, uh, uh, dovetailing on something you said earlier, would it make sense to also not, not only ask them in their words about what they think you do, but how you or your work make them feel? Yes, absolutely. How do you? And that's a question that I would ask people's uh, clients, clients, um, coaching clients, clients to say, what is it? How did they make you feel? What did it feel like when you worked with this person? What was the end result of working with this person? And absolutely how you feel is key. And uh, it's, it's something I talk about in keynote presentations. I've written about a lot is that I'd say now that the, your, the, 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 the strongest element of your brand is what your clients say about your brand to their contacts whether that's you as a company brand, whether that's you as an individual, but the way you're talked about quite simply is your brand. So yes, um, absolutely. And sometimes we think our real value in the marketplace uh, should be tied to bottom line results. But I think what I'm hearing you say is that in addition to the tangible results that you might deliver and possibly get testimonials for, the intangible side uh, of how they feel could be just as important or maybe maybe even more important. Yeah, I, I absolutely do believe it's even more important. Um, and one of the mistakes I see people make a lot, um, at pretty, I would say about 90% of the time when I'm coaching, is that people come to me, they want me to look at their, their logo, their brand messaging, their website, before they've even thought about who they are authentically and how they make people feel when they deal with them and what are the gems that people get how do they feel when they've worked with this person we need to go back to that that stage and i do really believe that in the world we're in now people need to like us and trust us and feel like they know something about us and our value set and what we stand for before they're comfortable buying for, for from us working with us um, listening to our message our credibility hangs off that. So I, I actually do believe it's more important than ever now. Wow. And when we think about our personal brand, personal professional brand, um, if there was, I guess I'm gonna say maybe um, 
uh, a first step, maybe a mid step, or maybe a kind of a, a short game, medium game, and a longer game to improving our personal brand, what might that progression look like, knowing that it might be a little different path for each person, but what would be a great place to start and then move to and then end up at? Yeah, great, great question. So I, I mentioned it earlier, setting aside some time to really think about what that golden thread is that runs through everything that we do. Even if what you do now is different to what you did 10 years ago, there will be an absolute golden thread that defines you. It, it's something that you're absolutely great at and you apply it in a different way now, possibly to 10 years ago, but it absolutely goes through the center of you. And one of the things, uh, one of the processes we can use to do that, I have a, a method called the espresso effect. And let me just describe this for a few minutes. If you think about an espresso machine and all the coffee beans that get thrown in at the top, all of them represent a pivotal moment in your life. Something your mum said when you were small, your first day at school, when you passed your bike test, when you passed your exams, when you graduated, there might be some things that aren't quite as, as positive, but every single one of those coffee beans represents a pivotal moment in your life. They all go into the machine and get ground and percolated around to produce your values, your beliefs, your motivators, your drivers, your standards, your purpose. And the tiny cup in its purest essence underneath, in the espresso cup, that's your brand statement, the few sentences that describe who you are authentically. And that's a great place to start, to start really um, uncovering uh, that piece, that authentic piece. Um, the second piece would be to start delving into um, the, uh, the, I would call it the insights you have as an expert in your field. So depending on who your clients are, what is it that you provide them? What's the end result of what you provide them from the expertise that you have? What's the problem you solve? They may not even know that they've got. What, what cost is that to them? And what's your solution to that problem they've got because of your expert insights? So this is a piece that really differentiates you. And then it's really getting on with the building the reputation along those lines. So using social media and, and building your digital reputation, um, thinking about getting out there speaking. Uh, social media comes uh, a lot easier once we know what our real definition is of our differentiator and we've articulated it well. We can then put in, we can get posts out much more consistently and it's much easier to come up with posts when we know what it is we want to get, get out there. So I'd say those are the three key things they're not none of those three things are easy um, and that's why people don't do it but if you do it you're going to stand out from the crowd and that's a, a massive step forward um, my my assumption is is that once people go through it um, they're somewhat astonished and end up at a place where they probably could not have imagined in terms of elevating their brand yes exactly and you know in in um I often offer, and I'm happy to do this for anybody here, like a 20 minute conversation if you have a question to ask me. And I, I just did one this morning with a lady who had a, a, a brand question. She, she, was, she was a bit lost. She didn't really know how to articulate her brand. And one of, the, one of the skills I have is having this external lens I can put in to listen to what someone's telling me they do, then being able to extract the important elements of that and help them to articulate that by putting the pieces back together. And, and it, it is it's, it's groundbreaking when that suddenly hits someone to say, that's exactly 
what I do. And I've never seen it like that because we can't see the label from inside the bottle. So, yeah. Wow. And across, um, sort of across the board, is there, is there a common mistake uh, that people make along the way? Yeah, it's very much being focused on their brand being about the website or the logo or the photos or digital um, uh, social media. And there are a lot of personal branding experts who will tell you that your brand is made up from your social media posts. And, and that's it. And I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think it's a big part of it. But I think it goes back to the stages I've mentioned um, earlier. So the mistakes are that they go right into writing the marketing message, the, the sexy bits of the brand, as I call it, the logo, the colors, the website, the book covers even. But we need to make sure that that's uh, that's in alignment with who we are. And do I have a minute to just explain the walking tools story? Sure. Um, I remember when I had first had the contract with McGraw-Hill to write the book before my company was called Walking Tall and before I had the methodology called Walking Tall and um, McGraw-Hill had kept pushing me to come up with the title and I couldn't come up with a suitable title and they kept uh, saying we need this title and I had to go back through my life history so far and think about some of the common threads and I'm only five foot one and a half tall, <laughs> which Mark will know. I've, I've met Henry, but I haven't met any of the others of you, I don't think. So it, walking tall has nothing to do with being physically tall. And I love giraffes, of course, um, being in the, uh, in the uh, South African bush a lot. I love that. So when I started to think back through my life history and think about, God, what would be a great book title? I started to think about being a lot smaller than the other kids at school. And I hated being smaller. I guess I couldn't really stand out so much. I didn't realize why then. And I remember in our, in our school, we had a system called the school colors that meant if we represented our school at music and sport, we got the school colors, which for us meant a big badge that you'd wear on your jacket for your uniform and a red and white, a red and pink striped tie with your uniforms. We had uniforms back then. So I thought I'll do this because that'll stand me out from the crowd a lot more. So I, I got chosen for, uh, for most of the sports teams and did all the music I could. The only sports team I didn't get chosen for, which stopped me getting the school colors was basketball or netball was our equivalent in the UK because I was too small. And I remember vividly rushing off to the changing room and looking at the, the, the team on the wall every Wednesday morning, and I was never chosen until one springtime and they had a, a flu epidemic that swept across the school, managed to miss me somehow. And I had to get chosen because I was the only one left to make the team up. So I managed to get the school colors. And when I thought back through some of these stories, the title Walking Tall just popped out to me. And so one of the things I'd ask you, if you were to write your life story, what would your title of your book be? It's an interesting for one for you as authors to think about that. And some of you may have done that already, but I always use that with my clients to think about their book title from their life history so far. Oh, thank you, Leslie, for sharing that. Um, uh, going back to something that you said, you know, no one, no one is ever going to confuse me with being an internet marketeer. <laughs> And I think you're laughing because you know that, um, but but I'm but I'm curious, uh, and and I do believe that social media is here to stay, and I believe that it should enhance our marketing plan. Uh, my position has been that, with rare exception, 
It should never be our marketing plan. Um, can you just share for a moment the importance of social media and how we might approach that or create an approach to social media? Yes, and I'm, I, I wrap this up into what I call a visibility plan, and I believe that all of us need to have a strategic plan for building our profile and visibility. And in fact, um, Suzanne will share with you a link to a site that has some um, freebie tips on building uh, visibility. And visibility is not all about social media, it's just part of it, and it needs to be built into the strategic plan. Um, it's worth sharing at this point, often I'm asked what's the difference between brand and, and reputation, and I always say that brand is the bold intention of what we set out to achieve as a brand, but your reputation is the reality of that brand, the reality of how we make people feel and how we show up in all forms, whether that's um, speaking live, whether it's speaking remotely, whether it's coaching, whether it's in meetings, whether it's in emails and texts or social media. And all of it needs to be consistent and, and in, a, in a plan. But I do believe that we do have a digital reputation as well. And one of the most important um, platforms, I believe, in our professional life is LinkedIn. And if you do nothing else, just have that profile on there that really says something about you as an individual and what you want to be known for. You've got that whole about section on LinkedIn it's about 1200 characters. You've got a great opportunity there to get your brand across and let people know a little bit about who you are, that little window into, into you. And then work out what is the most, what's the social media platform that your, your, your target clients use most? And maybe just pick a lane and go with one. Um, but do, and then decide what you can do consistently. And using one of your techniques, Mark, the benchmarks, how many posts are you going to do within a 30 day? period. Maybe it's just one. And that's okay if you can be consistent with it. Um, but I see so many clients who get so stressed about having to do feeling like they have to do social media every day and use every platform. You don't need to do that. Just just pick one and do it really well. But it's, it's important to have some sort of presence, at least. Thank you, Leslie. Um, and I got a question from the gallery. Yeah, is how to create a brand statement in your book, Walking Tall? Uh, in, sorry, I don't understand the question entirely. So it is how is how to oh. create a brand statement uh, included in your book, Walking Tall? It's not, but it's included in and the latest book of mine is Corporate Brand Personality. And uh, the, the process, my whole method is, is, is in there. And in fact, um, what I'm just in the process of doing is, is, is updating a little ebook, a free ebook that has got some processes in. It's not ready yet. I'm just putting some final tweaks to that. So if you all have my email address at the, the, the end, just, just, just drop me an email and I'll just make sure you get that uh, ebook when, it's, um, when we have it ready, if you'd like mm -hmm. it. So that will have a system in there, but the book will contain um, a lot of the processes that you can go through as well. Thank you. And Suzanne, is, our producer, is putting a lot of, um, uh, of your, what you're sharing and some links in the chat. Um, Suzanne, will you make sure you put instructions for how everyone can save the chat uh, to their own uh, laptop? Thank you. Um, Leslie, when you think about, first, you've been in business for how long? 20 plus years? Yeah, I was originally in IT and I sort of gravitated to sort of the marketing psychology um, role, but it was about 26 years ago, I first started my own business, but in this business about 20 years. 
What's the biggest lesson that you have learned over the course of that time? I think, and it took a long while for me to learn the lesson, is don't try and do everything yourself. Um, know what you're really good at, stick to that, have people around you that can do stuff you're not good at. Um, and I tried, to, it's not always easy because we've got to pay for that. But I think ultimately it's a false economy to think that we can do everything ourselves. It stops us doing the stuff we're good at and why we started our business in the first place. Um, so have somebody do do that and, and don't procrastinate. I think that was another um, lesson I learned. Uh, too often I put that off and just get on and do it. Just do it. Just what, what's the worst that can happen? You know, it might not work, but you're going to learn a ton of lessons um, when you do go, go for that. Um, and just be just be really good at what you are good at. Um, I tried to be good at other things, possibly like um, social media uh, to start with, and I wasn't. So I got some help with how to do that. I do most of it myself now because I think that's authentic. Um, but just be clear what, what you're good at and get help elsewhere. I think that's the biggest lesson. Great, thank you. Um, now I wanna move into my two favorite questions that I always love to ask uh, a guest. Um, the first one is, what marketing uh, idea or strategy, uh, when you look back over your career, and it might be recent, it might be uh, some time ago, but what strategy or idea did you try that ended up surprising you and, and working better than you thought that it would? Whoa, that's a, that's a really interesting one. I mean, I think one that that has always worked for me, and I think um, as a professional speaker, often, as some of you will know, and you will know, Mark, that people ask you to speak for free. And that used to really annoy me. And at the beginning, because um, I did that, and then, gosh, why do people want me to speak for free? And so I never did it. But several years ago, I realized that I'm the biggest marketing tool I could have for our business, which is a training business, coaching business, obviously me as a keynote speaker. And instead of trying to separate me out and not do the free stuff, I realized that the, the biggest and most powerful and most effective way to market the, the services that we have for our other trainers to deliver as well and coaches was for me to get out there and speak to the right audiences. Um, so that I think I missed how important that was for a period of my career. Um, I'm now getting that back because I can talk to audiences and then I, I know that's going to be um, a good move for me to get right. more contacts and more clients. So I don't know if that really answers, but that, that, that it took me a while to realize that that was as powerful as it is. Ah, thank you. And before I ask uh, the final question, I'd love to just give you an opportunity. Let's just uh, uh, cut away to a commercial break. How, um, what do you have, um, because I think you have something coming up in the next 90 days that might be of interest to some of our viewers and listeners. Um, uh, could, could you take 60 seconds and, sure. and do, how can we help you or how can we, uh, how can we get more of you? Great, thank you, yeah. Um, we've just started to, uh deliver some public courses. So we have a series of dates on entrepreneur, becoming an entrepreneurial leader that covers all these things from being able to extract what your differentiator is um, with some tools that I, I 
very rarely give to, to people um, that I'm not coaching, but there'll be some tools to extract what that differentiator is, how to articulate that, how to build the visibility plan, how to build the profile and all the things that, that, that go with that. So it's a public program, the series of dates, and the link to that is the link that Suzanne's already included, the walk and tour training square.site, and you'll see our public programs on there. That program is um, three hours long, it's remote, as you would expect, and there is 90 minutes of one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching with me that follows on from that. And that will be an absolute absorption into the, uh, the method that I use to help you differentiate your brand. Um, so it's, it's, it's truly valuable and very quickly we can get to a, a specific point that you, I can guarantee that you may not have noticed before, that you won't have noticed before. It happens with every single client I work with. There's a, an element uh, of, of surprise that, gosh, mm. this is, yeah, this is right. This is what I do. I haven't thought of that. So that's, that's what I've got coming up um, that's different to what we focused on generally, but I love running the, the, the public programs. And so I'd love to see some of you on there. Oh, that'd be great. And um, also, you know, we've talked about the UK and, and Africa and uh, uh, your international experience, but uh, can you just, uh, uh, I guess I wanna be one of the first publicly to uh, uh, welcome you and thank you, I believe as an official citizen, uh, could you share with us where you live and, and uh, <laughs> where, where you're at now on your journey? Yeah, thank you. So as of last Saturday, my husband and I became official citizens of the US. So we're dual citizens now with British um, citizenship as well. And that started way back in 2008 when I first applied for the green card based on the work I do and the profile I had. And Mark, you supported me back then with a, a wonderful supporting letter that I had to get from high profile people in the US and uh, to support the application. The, 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 the dossier was about this thick. I remember of all the information. Then I met my husband in 2009 and we brought him in on the, on the application. We got the green card in 2013 um, and then finally got citizenship, as I said last week. So it's been, it's been a journey and it's, it's been truly worthwhile. So thank you for that, that welcome. It's really been a, an experience. <laughs> well, it's great to have you here and, and uh, the United States is better for having you and Chris here now. Thank um, you. You know, rumor has it that it was my letter in 2009 that sealed the deal um, uh, that brought you here. So Absolutely. at least at least I'm going to take credit for it. <laughs> we should. Um, uh, uh, my last question is: um, When you look back at yourself 26 years ago, thereabouts, plus or minus a year. Mm. Um, what advice, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give you at that time? I think overwhelmingly, maybe this is more of a female thing, I'm not sure, but just believing in yourself. I, I, I didn't believe in myself. I had doubts, but I, I, I remember turning down a very high salary corporate job because I was fixated on, on running my own business. I didn't really know if it would work. And I still doubted it for, for quite a while until I got that first corporate contract where a company said, the CEO of a company said, yeah, can you come and deliver this for my teams? 
And that was the defining moment when I started to really believe that what I'd developed as a methodology was, was needed and, and of interest. And of course, it, it, we've got great feedback from that. So that was a defining moment. But I would tell myself to always believe in yourself. But I think what we're capable of, we're, we're just not aware of. And I've always, I think over the years since, is probably surprised myself with the stuff that's been achieved. I never really look backwards. I'm always looking forwards. But if I do look back, I think, gosh, well, there's a lot that's been achieved. And if I only I'd believed in myself more back then, it might have been a whole lot easier and quicker, maybe. <laughs> um, thank you, Leslie. And um, if anyone has a, a question from the gallery, um, we would love to, uh, we've got a few minutes remaining. If there's a question, I would love to see it uh, in the chat. Um, uh, if there are no questions, um, Suzanne, I'd love to just open it up. We've got a few people in the gallery, and if a couple of people would love to uh, just short and sharp, uh, what is what is your big takeaway uh, from this session uh, and this interview? What what have you learned today, or what has what has Leslie opened up your mind to in terms of having an entrepreneurial mindset or elevating your brand? How do you want us to, do you want us to just speak or raise our hands or how are we doing that? Yeah, just speak, Chris. Usually not a problem. But Leslie, first, I, your, your delivery and your, your topic is fantastic and incredibly important. That what I took away is the most important message, which I think is the essence of what you're teaching, is before you start worrying about fonts and pictures and offerings and all that other blingy stuff that is important, but who are you? What are you really trying to do? And then shape that to be more authentic. That was my big takeaway. And I know that sounds simple, but it's in maybe the most profound things are simple and it's probably not so simple to do. So that was my takeaway. Great, thank you for sharing. You're welcome that. to America. Awesome. My wife's thank a green you. card holder as well from Japan. Oh, really? Fantastic. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> thank Thanks you, Chris. for sharing that, Chris. <laughs> Next. Uh, David Gold. Go ahead. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. I, um, well, I, I also uh, agree with Chris. I think that was very valuable. Uh, also, to I think I do a fairly good job of uh, introspection. Um, and it's really helpful to uh, do the survey and find out if it's really accurate with other people. But here's the real gem for me. As a coach, that I could go to my client's clients and find out what the, cl the client's clients think about my client so that I can use that as, um, as really valuable information for them about how they show up. That's, that's really huge. So I can be even more of a, of a value proposition to my clients by finding out what their brand is out with their clients. I don't know Absolutely. if I said that well, but man, it had impact. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's so well, important. Page, and you get things from the clients um, that maybe aren't so good as well, that yeah. you don't have to share with them openly, but you can have that in your mind when you're working through stuff with them. So it's really valuable, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, David. Joe, Paolo. Well, I feel like an echo chamber because I'm going to kind of repeat what Chris and David said. Uh, but 
the importance of feedback. Um, I probably will definitely use that for working with my clients, but also I have not really thought much about the brands. I've actually started the website and did all the things you said we shouldn't do. I'm doing all those things, but that's just great feedback. And my biggest fear is I ask them, what do they like about me? And they say nothing. So I got, I'll deal with that, but we'll see. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Joe, hence the theme of your next book. <laughs> I'll leave no one. Uh, we have a we have a question from the gallery. This is from Chris. Leslie, how do you know when people are being inauthentic? Are there are there certain signs uh, that might point to an inauthentic brand? Um, I think over a period of time, inconsistency tells us that, you know, you're one thing one day, one thing another, or you say you do one thing one month and then you do another thing another month. I've, I come across a lot of speakers who do that. And I thought, well, I thought you spoke on this, but maybe not. And then I get to grips with that. And then uh, six months later, they're talking about something else. So it's um, lack of consistency can, can do that. Um, you know, body language, people will talk about that an awful lot. I'm not a great fan of that. I think you need to put body language sing, sing, signals in context and they have to be repeated. I don't, um, I personally find it really uncomfortable if somebody doesn't look at me in the eye when I'm speaking, it, not so much remotely because that's difficult, but um, face to face that tells me that just gives me a message that's maybe not in, not very sincere, but I always, I'm always aware of not just taking body language signals. I think it's the lack of consistency more than anything. Hmm. And Leslie, can I follow up on that? When, when you talked about people, um, and I think Henry has talked about this before and so is Mark. Um, so what day is it? Oh, today I speak on relationships, uh, but if you need me to talk about technology, I'll talk, oh, oh did, did you want me to talk about ergonomic furniture? Yeah. Right. I, I think that there's a, a tendency with speakers, not everyone, to so badly want the great opportunity that they morph themselves into Plato. Right. Yep. Um, so what what are your thoughts on how narrow your focus should be and how you kind of get that feeling where you're in the right zone? Yeah, I, I think it's really important that we, as we would say, niche in the UK, but niche. And, and I think that needs to be pretty narrow. I find with a lot of my clients that they get scared of saying, well, I'm just going to work, I don't know, say work in the luxury hospitality sector and that's that's it. It doesn't mean you're going to exclude and other clients aren't going to come to you, but it just means that that particular piece, people are going to see you as the, as the expert in that. Um, it is tempting to speak about all sorts of things, but it's you know, even saying I speak on leadership is, is not enough. There are the hundreds of thousands of people who write authors and, and speakers on leadership. What particular part of leadership do you do? And over the years, I've been really specific about that brand piece. The people brand piece is what I speak about. Not even branding. People often call me a branding coach. I have to correct that because branding is a big word. It's not. It's about people behaviors, the people element of the, the brand. So I, I think niching um, quite to quite a narrow field is is important. I've, I've seen that have great results and I think it helps people to recommend you more than, more than anything. It makes it easy for people to say to their contacts what it is you do. That, that's helpful. I, I think the first time you lose a, an engagement because you're too narrow, you have to have back to your point about have confidence in yourself. Someone will be looking for a leadership in peanut butter production. I'm sure there's someone out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, someone can easily talk about that and tell people and it'll eventually get to the right place. Yeah. 
Um, thank you, Chris. And one final question uh, from Dr. Carey is, uh, I'm curious if you have a thought or two on adding to an existing brand. For example, I'm adding a book to um, my therapy practice and want to be speaking more. Uh, yeah, so in terms of, uh, Dr. Carey, in, in terms of other products and services, is that what you mean by that? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, a really good idea. Uh, you know, you're an expert in a specific field and whatever you can use and whatever products and services you can use to get that message out there, then absolutely, uh, I, would, I would say do that. I mean, obviously you're, you're all authors and I think it's really important you have the, the book, but what other things can you add to that? Speaking is so important. And I remember when I um, first had the book contract and all the meetings I had with McGraw-Hill, they thought it was absolutely wonderful that I could speak as well because they said a lot of their authors don't speak and don't want to speak and, and that's a shame. Um, so I'm not sure if that's answered your question, but absolutely add those different threads. What else can you do to get that core message of the expertise you have out there? That's great, thank you. Great. Uh, thank you, Dr. Carey. And one more slipped uh, uh, under the radar and or over the transom, and that is how often should we uh, review our brand or our brand strategy? Um, I think it's a constant thing, um, being able to adjust it here and there. And we've all had to do that, let's face it, in the last year. And I think that I've adjusted my brand so much more in the last year, not, not, not the fundamentals of it, but how it's put together and how I might market that and the messages I might use to get that out there, what's resonating now. Um, the entrepreneurial mindset, which, you know, I, I credit Mark with some of that as, as, as well in terms of how he's, he's led me down that with the entrepreneurial leadership and mindset tack, because uh, I'll get feedback as well. And, and, you know, that's important. And using having Mark as a coach is, is, is hugely valuable to do that, seeing this external lens. But I'm constantly looking at ways to tweak that brand messaging, never changing the authentic thread of what I do. And I know what I'm really good at. And I know what I'm not good at. Um, but I think we have to keep bearing that in mind, keep getting the feedback, asking for the feedback, asking what it is that people are particularly enjoyed about the session or the book or um, the article or whatever it is. I, I think that's so important. You know, Leslie, I've known you since uh, 2007 or maybe even 2006, um, but you just said something a, a minute or two ago uh, because if I would have described you, it would have been as a branding expert. And you just said that there's so much more than that. Could, could you just expand on that a, a bit? Because that sort of was a Scooby-Doo moment uh, for me. You might not know, Scooby-Doo is a cartoon character. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we had Scooby-Doo too in the UK. Okay. I don't know if that was on the, the citizenship test. Uh, or, um, <laughs> Henry's questions, I saw that. <laughs> But uh, um, uh, how should we be thinking of you in terms of a branding expert or blank? How, how did you give me as as the as a the personality of the brand expert? So the the people element of the brand brand behaviors, but the personality is the key thing. How do we mm. get personality, authentic personality, into the brand? Um, and I don't do logos. I don't uh, design websites. I'll help people get their um, content for their website, 
from, from a text point of view and I can review stuff to make sure it's in alignment with who they are as a person. But think of me as the personality of, of the brand. That's what I, I focus on. Now, fascinating uh, for our viewers and our listeners, I've been working with Leslie and Chris for about two years. I've known her since 2007 or thereabouts, but I didn't know this little piece uh, of the equation. You and I have never talked about this. <laughs> um, but, I, but I think the, the takeaway or the lesson for me is that even people that we are connected to and think that we know, or we think that they know us, mm -hmm. there are always layers um, that, that we are making up stories, um, most often positive stories, but uh, that's, I, I think that takeaway alone should drive registrations uh, to your event and uh, uh, count me in. Um, and I hope that uh, some of our other uh, indie uh, authors and family members will also take you up uh, on your offer to uh, learn more from you. Um, Leslie, I wanna thank you so much for taking the time uh, to be with us today. Do you have one more parting piece of wisdom, a phrase, a sentence that we could wrap this uh, interview up with a ribbon? Oh, you put me on the spot, don't you? Let me think. I have so much stuff that I can, can share. I think for me, what always resonates with me, and that's why the book title, that's why the, um, the, 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 the methodology that I've written, Walking Tall, and it still resonates with me with everything I do. The things that batter us down and we get the upsets and disappointments throughout our life. I keep coming back to that term, Walking Tall. You can rise above it, move on. It's rarely about you. Um, so really, I'd leave you those words, walk tall with everything you do. All right. Thank you, uh, everyone. Can we give her a, a round of Zoom applause uh, here? And uh, uh, Leslie, these balloons were celebrating your official citizenship. Uh, uh, like I said, we are better here in the States because you and Chris are here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. And thank you very much. Thank you, Henry, Suzanne as well. Thanks, Mark. And we are out. Ah, oh, Leslie, that was great.